Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Who's enjoyed this series this month, Unlikely Saints? Amen. Well, if you feel unlikely, you're in the right place this morning. Amen. As we serve a wonderful, wonderful Savior who we have been worshiping with our voice and our song this morning. And as we continue on today, I want to read one scripture up front to use as a springboard in the context of where we're going today. But Judges 4.23, as you're turning there or looking to the screens, I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible app, you can follow along with the message card there on the Bible app. So all of the points and the outline for today's message is there for you. Again, not only to follow along now, but also to go back over this week. But in Judges 4 and 23, you read this statement. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord of his church. He's Lord of this church and this community. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to hearts and minds today, that you would take the written word and that revelation and you would use it to speak your words into our heart, into our situation. We praise you and we worship you. We thank you for your finished work and your victory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, I received recently uh, by accident, um, but these are the good types of accidents, uh, this National Geographic. And what caught my attention was the cover. It said, Under London, uncovering the city's buried past. So I turned and I began to read this cover story. And what I began to find out is it tells how London is building a new crossrail route for 73 miles through their growing metropolis. But 26 miles of this new 73-mile route is actually underground. And because so many miles of this new route is underground, it has provided a unique opportunity for archaeologists to explore what has been buried for centuries. In fact, one archaeologist was quoted saying, you peel back the pavement of a grand old city like London and you can find just about anything. From a first century Roman fresco to a pair of medieval ice skates, even to an elephant's tooth. It goes on to say that entire neighborhoods were leveled and the rubble was used as landfill as the next generation's vision was built on top of the previous generation. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help to think about what is actually under God's city. What is actually under God's dwelling place, his people, the followers of Jesus Christ. It made me begin to ponder and wonder what has been buried there in God's people. What has been 
What spiritual gifts, what talents, what callings, what tools for the work of the ministry of Jesus Christ that has been buried in the saints and in the people of God? Maybe some of those things have been buried by debt. Maybe others have been buried by a slavery to the world's system and the world's way of doing things. Maybe it's been buried by being overworked, by being unprepared. Buried by seeking beforehand our American dream for our life instead of seeking first his dream for our life. Maybe talents and callings and spiritual gifts, the power and the presence of God in God's people has been buried by the traditions of men, by the rhythms of this world, by the patterns of thinking that are more in line with the world than the ways and the word of God. Maybe it's been buried by the progressive visions of a new generation instead of God's vision for his people once and for all. It also made me think, though, as I concluded reading this story, how there are spiritual archaeologists. There are spiritual archaeologists who with their hands are used by God to unlock God's victories for his people. To unlock God's miracles for people. To unlock God's provisions for people. That there are spiritual archaeologists whose hands are used by God to unlock God's leadership locked within people. To unlock God's workings in others. That there are spiritual archaeologists who as they are being used by God discover that many of the hands of the people of God have become buried. That they're no longer active in the calling and the purpose of God. And they're no longer pursuing, as that song sang so beautiful during the recap video, no longer pursuing what the Lord has for them and why he's apprehended them. See, these spiritual archaeologists, they're unlikely hands. There's nothing special. There's nothing that makes them stand apart from you and I today. In the beginning, they probably felt like many of you felt today. They felt unlikely. They felt like an unlikely person whose hands can be used to unlock God's promises in others, to unlock God's provisions for others. But though they're unlikely hands, they're hands that you would be wise to like. Though they are unlikely hands, they're needed hands. And they are hands like the hands of Deborah and the hands of Jael. In Judges chapter 4, you begin to find the story how a judge of Israel, his name was Ehud, had died. And because now the judge who God had used to direct and counsel and mentor and influence the people of God had died, that the nation of Israel began to do evil again. They began to pursue their own dreams and their own ways. In fact, this is the result, as it will always be. That when the people of God began to pursue not the things of God, but the things of the world or their own desires, it led to the nation of Israel being oppressed. They began to be in bondage again. They began to fall into the hand of a king the king of Canaan, his name was Jabin. And the text says in Judges 4 that for 20 years, the children of Israel 
are oppressed by the Canaanites. And then we come to Judges chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinaam, from Kedesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy the troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. Verse 8 says, And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Notice that. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And then Deborah said to Barak, Up! Get up! For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord God gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Hirosheth Higoyim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Verse 17. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not fear. When he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent. If any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg, took a hammer in her hand, went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. Then as Barak pursued, Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. When he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. Watch this, verse 23. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. What is amazing about Judges chapter 4 and 5 here is that it was between the hands of two unlikely persons that God subdued Jabin, the king of the Canaanites. It was between the hands of two unlikely people that the oppression and the bondage for 20 years on the people of God was dealt with. It was between the hands of two unlikely persons that the 
hand of all the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger. It was the two unlikely hands of Deborah and Jael. When you think of these two unlikely hands that you find the victory of God being experienced between the hand of Deborah and the hand of Jael, you got to understand that these women were both wives. They both lived in a context where the common worldview in many ways was negative towards women. And yet it is between their hands, it is between their stories that on that day God subdued the enemies of the children of Israel. When I think about Deborah and I think about Jael and I think about you and your hands, that though you might feel unlikely, we can see that through the story of Deborah and Jael, how God begins to find unlikely hands to be used to bring victory, to bring blessing, to bring peace, to bring encouragement to people, to those around them. The first thing that I want to highlight from this story of what it means for you and I is number one, unlikely hands are uncovered under the word of the Lord. When you think about unlikely hands and where does God find unlikely hands to use to be a blessing to those around them, you find that unlikely hands are uncovered under the word of the Lord. Notice in verse 4 of Judges 4, it said Deborah was a prophetess. What does that mean? It means she was one who spoke the word of the Lord. Notice that she didn't speak her words. Her influence to be a blessing to those around her did not happen when she spoke her words. It didn't happen when she spoke her emotions. It didn't happen when she spoke her feelings. It didn't happen when she spoke her opinions. But her influence and her unlikely hands became hands used by God when her hands came under the word of the Lord. When she put her hands on the word of God, then God put his hands on her hands. See, this is what it means for you. I've seen it time and time again, people that have been bound up, people that come from the wrong side of the tracks, people that come from horrible situations and a life filled with hurt and drama and trauma. But when they allow their hands to come under the word of God, then God begins to use their hands to begin to be a blessing. That the unlikely then becomes likely when they get their hands under the word of God. See, we have too many people today around the church that's trying to put themselves over the word of God instead of put themselves under the word of God. But if you'll put yourself under the word of God, then God's word will lift you up and he'll give a grace and give an anointing and he'll give an influence to your unlikely hands. The first thing you see in this story is that God began to start the story with a woman. Unlikely hands, but it was a woman who put her hands under the word of the Lord. Under the word of the Lord. And when she did it, then the word put life in her hands. Are your hands today under the word of the Lord? Are your hands today surrendered to the word of God? Are you handling the word of life, Jesus Christ, through the revealed word of God. You can put your hands and your life under the word of the Lord through growth phases on Thursday nights here. 
Today you're making a choice being here to put your life under the word of the Lord. Secondly, when you look at this story, you discover that unlikely hands are uncovered under the husband. Under the husband. Notice in verse 4 that the scripture makes it so clear for all of us and highlights that she was the wife of Labadoth. Why does it highlight that? Because listen to me. For her to be a true prophetess, she had to be under someone's care, under someone's oversight, under someone's protection. The reason why it highlights that Deborah was the wife of Labadoth is that it was a qualification. It's highlighting her qualification to be a true prophetess. She couldn't just be out there doing her own thing. She couldn't be just out there self-willed and unstable. This is why when you read the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, when he speaks of Philip, you know Philip in Acts 6, he was chosen to be a deacon. Started off just serving and waiting the tables and serving the widows in the church there. But later you read he becomes an evangelist. But when it talks about Philip, who later functioned as an evangelist, it states he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Why does it, when it talks about Philip, highlight he has four virgin daughters who prophesy? The reason it says that, that they prophesied and was able to prophesy is that they were under the leadership, the care, and the protection of their father because they were virgins and unmarried. See, listen. Unlikely hands that God can use can still be found under a husband. Can still be found in a married woman. In a husband honoring, husband respecting wife, there are still hands that God can use. What am I saying today? I'm saying that you can be married and you can still be used by God. That you can be willing to be led and cared for by your husband, ladies and still have your hands lead and influence others. That you can be married and still carry the judgment of the Lord regarding a a matter. That you can be married and still have discernment. Married and still have wisdom. You can be married and you can still teach and prophesy by the anointing and by the power of God. I think of the proverbial woman in Proverbs 31 and 26. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Notice that the proverbial woman, she upon her tongue has the law of kindness. She she has upon her mouth wisdom. You say, "Well, I'm not a wife, but I am a husband." Well, guess what? Unlikely hands are still found under the husband because we as husbands are under Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is is that when you begin to find God using unlikely hands, there are people that have others who care for them and protect them and help guard them as they move forward in what God's called them to. What I'm saying is is that none of us wants to be doing what God's called us to and be without someone who has the best interest, without someone who is caring for us and watching over us as we move forward in what God has for us. We are all to be under the care of someone. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, it might be more unlikely 
for the married to care for the things of the Lord and to be without distraction. But he didn't say it's impossible. You might be a wife and it might be more difficult for you to not be distracted from the things of the Lord. And his calling upon your life. But he didn't say it's impossible. What it means is is it just requires more dependency on the Lord. And allowing his grace to build a greater character in your life. It's the same for you husbands today. It might be more unlikely for you to stay focused and devoted to the call of God on your life. But it's not impossible being married. Why is this important? Because we coming off a generation and another generation... That has began to believe a lie that for them to pursue their career, for them to do what they potentially can do, that they can't be married. That they can't be both. And today we find in the Word of God that unlikely hands can still be found by people that are married. That being married, you don't have to surrender your gifts and your talents and your call. It just means you got to let the grace of God grow you to be more conformed to the image of God. That the strength of Christ in you can withstand the different weights and responsibilities that then come upon your life. In fact, did you know that there are multiple researches that have found that the best executive leaders in corporate America over the long haul are still married to their first wives? What does that mean? It means to be used and to use your talents and your gifts and to do what God's wired you is more about the person you allow God to make you than the circumstances and situations you find yourself in. They have found that the best executives over the long haul were people that were married. So research shows that you don't have to disconnect from the idea of marriage in order to reach your high potential and what God has gifted you in or the talents He's given you. It just means you have to become more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Is this not what on the day of Pentecost Peter said was fulfilled? In Acts 2 and 16... He says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. The women and the men shall prophesy. The young and the old shall prophesy. That God's power and God's spirit is for all men and women and all people. That you can be empowered by God. And you can still prophesy. Have the word of the Lord and his wisdom. The law of kindness upon your mouth. So first, unlikely hands are uncovered under the word of the Lord. Secondly, unlikely hands are uncovered under the husband. And thirdly, unlikely hands are uncovered under the palm tree. Notice what it said in verse 5. It said that Deborah would sit under the palm tree. But it wasn't just any palm tree. It actually says she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel would come up to her for judgment. My first thought when it mentions the palm tree of Deborah, my first thought was, is did she plant it? Because again, when you look at the proverbial woman in Proverbs 31, 
In Proverbs 31, 16, speaking of this proverbial woman, it says, she considers the field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. We don't know if Deborah planted the palm tree or did she just leverage the palm tree? Was the palm tree already planted, already there, but she just leveraged it. She just used it to be a blessing to others. See, either way, she's under the palm tree. What does this mean? It means she had a place that welcomed others. She had a place that made others feel that they could approach her to receive counsel, wisdom, judgment, and advice. Notice the scripture said that under the palm tree of Deborah, the children of Israel went to her. She had a place that made others feel welcome to come and to learn. In a sense, to be discipled. In a sense, to be mentored. In a sense, to receive the instructions of the Lord and His ways. She had a palm tree. She had a context that she provided for those who came to her. What type of context did she provide to them? Well, notice her choice. Notice the context of where she would sit so that people could come and receive wisdom and judgment from her. Notice the choice. It was a palm tree. It wasn't a weeping willow tree. And it wasn't a broom tree. But it was a palm tree. What does it mean? It means she provided a context that was joyful. Where do you see palm trees where so many people in the north and the northeast and all over the world go? They go down to Orlando and go down to Disney World and they go down to the land of palm trees. And She had a palm tree. She provided a context that was joyful. She provided a context that was life-filled. She provided a restful environment. She made it easier for people to receive her. And it's the same for you whether you're a woman or a man. If you want people to come to you for wisdom, if you want people to find the gifts and the talents that you have and to honor them and receive from them, you got to provide a palm tree. you got to provide a place that's welcoming to others. you got to provide a place that's restful and joyful. People don't go to people who are always under a weeping willow, always complaining, always weeping over past mistakes and past failures and uh, what things should have been done in the past. People don't go to that place to find rest, to find comfort, to find instruction. But people go to a place like a palm tree, a place that is filled with life and joy, a place that says that you can believe again, a place that says that God can use you again, a place that says that your hands matter and God can use you. These are the types of context that people are longing for. And when you think about a palm tree, it doesn't mean that Deborah had a perfect life. It doesn't mean that Deborah didn't go through difficulties. It doesn't mean that Deborah didn't have hardships and, and heartaches. It just means she didn't let the things that she went through define her. She didn't allow it to be where she camped out in life and where she sat down on her journey in life. Yes, you're going to go through some difficulties, but don't let the difficulties define you. Don't let the difficulties take your joy and your rest and you providing a context that makes others feel welcome around you. See, unlikely hands are uncovered under the palm tree. You know what also it means? It means if you want to be used by God, you have to learn to sit under a palm tree. What does that mean? you got to learn to stay in a place long enough where what God has given you can be discovered. you got to stay in a place long enough where what God's given you can be discovered and then honored. 
Because people won't receive from it if it's not first discovered and honored and known. Notice it was known as Deborah's palm tree. That means she had sat there long enough that everybody knew. That's her palm tree. That's her palm tree. She had been there long enough and now people could go to her and receive from her. Receive from her gift. Receive from her hands. See, not only do we need times to sit at Jesus' feet, like we learn in the story of Mary and Martha in the Gospels, but listen, we also need time to sit so that others can approach us and reach us. We need not only times where we sit at the feet of Jesus, but you also need times where you sit so people can actually find you and come to you and receive from your gifts and your talents and the wisdom and from your hands that God's given you. Listen, people aren't going to be able to receive you if they don't know where to find you. They're not going to track you down. They're not just going to run all over because you're running all over. Listen, you got to provide a context where people know that they can come to you, they can, they can share their burdens, they can share their hearts, and and you will receive them. That's why she's sitting under the palm tree. It's, un- it's under the palm tree you'll find unlikely hands for God to use. Are you under the palm tree today? Are you allowing your failures? Are you allowing where you come from? Are you allowing what's taken place in the past? To just hover over your life instead of allowing the blood of Jesus that can cleanse. Allowing the anointing of God that can set you free. That God can restore the joy of your salvation. He can cause peace to flow like a river again. That He can cause your life to become a context. That people can come and sense the rest of God. Sense the peace of God. Sense the wisdom and the grace of God. That they come to you to receive instructions for their journey to understand what God's wanting to do in their life and for them. A palm tree. Number four, unlikely hands are uncovered under oppression. Notice there in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. It said, because the children of Israel began to do evil again, the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord for Jabin, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Notice that. Oppressed the children of Israel. Do you know the children of Israel remained oppressed until she arose? Until Deborah arose, the people were oppressed. You know what that means? That means until God finds some hands that get so burdened with the hurts, with the wrongs, with the oppression of the enemy upon their neighbors and their families and their co-workers. There's got to be some people that when they look at oppression and they look at injustices, that it moves them to arise like Deborah. Deborah. 
They can't be quiet no longer. They can't sit back and just allow the enemy to bring destruction and to steal joy and to take from people made in the image of God. Listen, the oppression continues until Deborah arose. And it's the same thing of what's taking place in America and around the world. That the enemy will continue to oppress. He will continue to afflict until somebody arises. Until someone says, God, here's some hands that will be used to deal with this oppression. They remained under oppression until she arose. Look at Judges 5 and verse 6. It says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. And the travelers walked along the byways. Watch this. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Until I, Deborah, arose. Arose as a mother in Israel. Israel. See, unlikely hands are uncovered under oppression. Someone that gets so moved by what's taking place that says, God, here are my hands to use to make a difference. Here are my hands to be used to deal with the oppression and that which burdens you and that which frustrates you and that which pushes your buttons. That you say, God, here are my hands, use me. Someone who gets a burden that village life has ceased. That community life has ceased. That the patterns of this world is taking away from community and everybody's running about so busy and so focused just on themselves. Community life and relationships have ceased. We live in a more connected world digitally but a more disconnected world relationally. And isolation is a death trap of the enemy. Feeling alone is a death trap of the enemy. And Deborah said, I'm not going to stand for village life and community life ceasing. I'm not going to allow the world to get so disconnected from the greatest assets on the earth, people. Notice village life had ceased. Not only that, but the travelers are walking along the byways. People on their journey through life aren't taking the clear paths and the clear ways because the enemy has blocked them and attacked them. People are having to take the long way around things. And Deborah said, no, 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 no. I want to make it easier for people's path to get to what God has for them. I want people to begin to walk on that highway called the highway of holiness again. I want people to be able to walk on the place, that place of righteousness again. And she said, here I am because I'm moved by what I see the enemy doing. See, listen to me. The Bible says that some activities that God wanted had ceased. So many times we think, well, we have this false idea of sovereignty. We think if God really cared, He would do something about it. We begin to think if it's God's will, then He would do something about it. No, no, no. The oppression continued until Deborah arose. Until she arose. Until she said, God, here are my hands. Use them. Here are my hands. Use them. And notice what she arose. She arose as a mother in Israel. She said, I want my care. I want my oversight. I want what God's given me to help others on their journey. It moved her to to action for the kingdom of God. It moved her to action for the nation. It moved her to action. See, listen to me. Oppression and difficulties are meant to unlock and uncover what God has put within us 
not to cause them to be buried deeper. So many times we allow oppression and difficulties to bury inside of us deeper what God's given to us. We go into, as you continue to read in Judges, we go in the very next chapter, in chapter 6, and the people of God are hiding in caves. So often oppression and difficulties cause us to go hide in caves, hide our gifts, hide the passions and the talents God's given us. Listen, oppression and difficulties are not to cause you to let those things be buried deeper. They're to cause you to get like Deborah and to arise and say, God, here I am. If you can use anybody, you can use me. If you can use any hands, here are my hands. Because it's under oppression that God finds unlikely hands to use. Someone take your pain and say, I'm going to arise in God so that others don't have to take this pain in this pathway. That what the enemy meant for evil in me, I'm going to present to God and get a burden for others that they don't have to go through that. That their story don't have to become my backstory. That I want to make their pathway, I want to make my family, I want to make my children's pathway easier. That I don't want village life to cease. It said, oppression continued until I, Deborah, arose. Arose. See, someone's got to step up and be used of God to arouse spiritual leadership. Someone's got to step up and arouse the desire to be a spiritual mother and a father to people. Someone's got to be used to arouse other people's hands to action for the kingdom of God. See, unlikely hands are found under oppression. But number five, unlikely hands are uncovered by judgment. Unlikely hands are uncovered by judgment. Notice in verse 5 and 6 it says, She sent and called for Barak and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Go and deploy troops. Take with you 10,000 men. Has God not say, I will deliver the enemy into your hand? What do you see here? Deborah is unlocking the leadership potential of Barak. He's just, as the commander, been hanging out. She says, has God not said to go? Has God not told you, the people of God, to go? And as you go, make disciples? But Barak is complacent until Deborah uncovered by her judgment. See, when we hear judgment, we think of negative word. But judgment's not negative. A scoreboard in a basketball game, that's a judgment. A scoreboard on a football game, that's a judgment. It's an evaluation. And when she looked at Barack, she said, there's more that God has for you. And by her judgment, those unlikely hands of Barack began to be used to bring the victory of God to the people of God. Not only did her judgment unlock the hands of Barak, but it unlocked the hands of the children of Israel. It moved them to war against the enemy. It moved them to stand against the oppression. It moved them forward. But you know what her judgment also unlocked? It unlocked the leadership of Jael. Oh, listen, there's got to be some women pioneers. 
there's got to be some women who says, I know there's still people that think that God can't use married women, that God can't use women to teach and to preach, but there's got to be some forerunner women who then begin to unlock the hands of other women, some others JLs, because it was between the hands of two women that in this context God brought victory to an entire nation and God brought victory to the people of God. See, she had good discernment and decision making. Did you know there's two major categories of women in the Bible? Those who unlock leadership in the next generation. Like Deborah. Or those who lead the next generation to be locked up. Like the seducer's voice in Proverbs 7. I'll say it again. There's two major categories of women in the Bible. Those who unlock the leadership in the next generation like Deborah or those who lead the next generation to be locked up like the seducer's voice. In Proverbs 7, you read about this other type of woman. The seducer voice, this woman. It says she was loud. She was rebellious. Her feet wouldn't stay in one place. You know what that means? She wouldn't stay under a palm tree. She had enticing speech instead of the word of the Lord. She had her opinions instead of the opinion of the Lord. She had her agenda instead of the agenda of the Lord. See, there is a woman who takes away your strength, and there is a woman who unlocks your strength. When you read Proverbs 31, in the beginning, it says these are the words of King Lumiel that his mother taught him. Here you see the hands of a woman who unlocked the kingship of her son. Here you see a woman who didn't lock him up, but unlocked his potential. And she told him, she said, but there's women who would take away your strength. There's women who will, who will bind up your calling. There's women like Delilah's that it gets you trying to lay down in their lap, lay down in their thinking, lay down in their ways, only to cut your head out, only to take your eyes out, only to cause you to lose the vision of God's high calling for your purpose and your potential. And I want to tell the women of this church, is you're called to be a woman that unlocks the potential of other people, not to bind them up, but to unlock them moving forward in the plan and the purpose of God. Women of God support men of God. Women of God don't get bitter and don't get mad that they're not men and they're not living in competition against men. Listen, women of God value the fact that they are unique. See, there is a woman who awakens the king in you And there is a woman who locks the king up. There is a woman who unlocks the voices of others. There is a woman who silences their voices. God's Spirit wants the women of God to be what you're called to be. To help unlock other voices. To help unlock the king, the potential in others. There is a woman who when she's awake, when she's alert, when she's clear-headed, she calls his leaders to arise. Look at this in Judges 5 and verse 12. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son. 
Notice when Deborah was awake. Notice when Deborah used her voice. Guess what it did? It caused Barak. It caused the potential of others to arise. Listen, as a woman, when you're awake to the plan of God for you, when you're awake to your uniqueness, when you're awake to the king in you, your voice will unlock your husband's potential if you're married. Your voice, mothers, will unlock the potential in your children when you're awake to the plan of God. When you use your voice the way God wants it to be used and you don't join your voice to that harlot voice that tries to lock up the potential of God in men in the next generation. I want to tell some women today that you got a voice in this place. You got a voice in this country. You got a voice in the kingdom of God. But your voice is to cause others to arise. It's to help put others to unlock the king of kings and the lord of lords on the inside of them. Then in Judges 5.1 it said, Deborah and Barak they sang on that day. Here's what they sang. They said when leaders lead in Israel When the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. When you lead, when you move forward, you cause other leaders to lead. When you lead and you say, here are my unlikely hands, you cause other people to say, here I am, Lord. I willingly give you my hands. Oh, what a wonderful thing. So unlikely hands are uncovered by judgment, by discernment. And six, unlikely hands are uncovered under the tent. Under the tent. You remember they're in war and the children of Israel is being given the victory. And Cesaro, the commander of the Canaanites, he gets off his chariot and he begins to flee for his life. Jael sees the opportunity and she invites this commander of the Canaanites into her tent. What's amazing is that when that happened, she wasn't ranting and raving that she didn't have a place at the gates. What am I saying? The gates in in, in these civilizations in these times were those who had the authority in cities, the governmental authority. J.L. was not a person who was so bitter and so angry that she didn't have a place at the gate. You know why? Because she understood. She understood that you don't have to be at the gate to be praised at the gate. She understood that, listen, my life and your life, women, doesn't have to be motivated to try to prove to others what you can do. Listen, she understood I might not have a gate and I might not be in a place of leadership or this or that, but I have a tent. I have a tent. And in my tent, I got a voice. In my tent, I got hands that can be used by God. See, so often in this nation, we're seeing this. People are becoming enraged and bitter that they don't have a place. That I wasn't born in the right neighborhood and I wasn't born with privilege and this and that. Listen, listen to the beauty of God's spirit in JL. She's not at the gate complaining and bitter and angry. No, no, no. You know why? Because she's aware she's got a tent. She's aware like Deborah, she's got a palm tree. See, understand that no one for that matter, man or woman, has to be at the gate in order to be praised at the gate. You don't have to be in the top leadership position to get praised by the leader in that position. 
You don't have to be in the top of your field in a place to be praised in that field. We can't be motivated while we're men or women just with the motivation to prove that we can be at the top. That's, that's called selfish ambition. That's called bitter envy, James 3. That's called demonic wisdom. But notice the proverbial woman in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. What's it say? You don't even have to be at the gate, but you can still be praised at the gate if you'll give God your hands. And the fruit of what God will do out of your hands will cause you to be talked and praised at the gate. You might feel like there's some circles, women, you can't get into right now. Whether it's in your career or your field, that's okay. Because you can still be praised in that circle, praised in that gate, even if you're not allowed at the gate. Let your hands so be used of God that people have to take notice. That they have to take notice of how God's favoring you, how God's empowering you, how God's using you to be a blessing to other people. Same thing, men. You don't have access to a gate right now. You feel like your boss has done you wrong. You feel like leaders over you is not giving you opportunity. That's all right. What do you have? Do you have a tent? Do you have a, a sphere? Let your hands be used of God and let people praise. Praise you for the work that comes out of your Hands. Look at Judges 5.24. Jael was praised. Most blessed among women is Jael. The wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water. She gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg. Her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. At her feet. Where he fell, there he fell dead. You know what she did? J.L. wasn't focused on what she didn't have. She was focused on what she did have. And she had a tent. She said, in this tent, I have a voice. In this tent, my hands can influence. And she said, there's no enemy going to come under my tent and lie down and me not take the hammer of God's word and to pound it into him. Listen, women, you are called to war over your nest. You are called to war over your tent. You're to call to give no place to the enemy and the place that God's given you, whether it's a palm tree or whether it's a tent. Women, you got to take the hammer of God's word and let it be shut up in your bones and don't give any place under your tent. Don't give any place in your marriage. Don't allow anything to stay uncovered or try to enter into your bed of the enemy. You got to take the word of God, women, and put it into the mind of your man. Put it in the mind of your man. Put it in the mind of your man. Don't be a woman who puts your opinions and your frustrations in the mind of your man. Be a woman that is so skilled that in your tent, in your palm tree, you take a tent peg and apply it perfectly to the temple of your man. Let the word of God be fitted to where your man can go, not just to where your man currently is at. Let the word of God be applied through you to your man's temple, not into what his current character is, but what his, current, or his future character can be. Women, you are called to unlock the king and men around you. 
unlock the king under your tent. See, J.L., she didn't have a gate, but she had a tent. And she took what she did have. She started where she was at, and she took the tent peg and the workman's hammer, the word of God, and placed it perfectly in his temple. You know, when I was going in to prepare for this message, Michelle just happened right before me to tell me this story. Just happened, yeah. And she had just watched this testimony regarding a famous Mexican actor who had been born again. And one of the roles that he was starring in required him to learn English. So think about this. You have this this famous Mexican actor. He's going into a role that requires him to learn English. So now an English teacher, a woman English teacher, enters his life. One day she asked this man. She asked him, she goes, What kind of man do you want your daughters to marry? And after he gives this this woman English teacher, like the description of the perfect man, the perfect guy, she asked him this, are you that guy? He said, no. She said, then why would you require your daughters to marry a type of guy that you are not even willing to be? And guess what? That started him on the search and the road to eventually become a follower of Jesus Christ. See, that woman had a tent. She maybe didn't have the large gate. She wasn't the producer of the movie. She wasn't even over the actor. But she had a palm tree. And under her palm tree, under her tent, under her English class, under her influence, she uncovered hypocrisy. She uncovered his need for Jesus. What about you? What's happening under your tent? Because you do have a a tent peg. You do have an influence. You do have a sphere. And you do have a hammer, a workman's hammer. And you can use your hands to speak the word of God of those that's under your tent, under your palm tree. And all the things that God can do through you. Because it was between the hands of two women that God subdued Jabin the king of Canaan. And it was between the hands of two women that the hand of the children grew stronger and stronger till all the enemy was defeated. You might today feel unlikely, but that's good news because unlikely hands are uncovered when you come under the word of the Lord. Unlikely hands are uncovered under the husband. You're going to have to have some leaders and some people caring for you and watching over you and providing counsel and direction for you. Unlikely hands are uncovered under the palm tree. Place of rest and joy and filled with life. Unlikely hands are uncovered under oppression. What moves you today? What shows up on Facebook that gives you a righteous anger, moves you to tears, gets you a burden? All the oppression continued until Deborah arose. Unlikely hands are uncovered by judgment judgment. Unlock the king and others. Don't lock the king up. Likely hands are uncovered under the tent. Currently what's buried in your tent? If you're married and you're a woman, you can use your tent and that workman's hammer and you can 
bury the enemy off the mind of your man, off the mind of your husband, if you'll speak the word of God. Notice how Jael did it. She made the commander of the army feel so welcomed. There was a peacefulness about her. Read about it in 1 Peter 3. There was a gentleness about her. She was able to use the hammer of God's Word. If all you speak to is to what you see, then you'll never see the king come out of your man and see what you currently don't see. What about you, men? You have a tent, you have a palm tree, God's given you something. Are you using God's Word to speak into the minds, hearts of those around you? Because listen, we can either use the word correctly and make sure the old man stays buried. The old character, the old habits stay covered. Or if we don't use the word of God, we allow those old habits, old thoughts, things to begin to arise. But one thing that I don't want buried in your tent, I don't want buried in your life, is the king in you. Brings me back to under London. When they were going and digging underground for the railway they were putting through, they discovered a cemetery. They began to uncover all these dead persons. It made me think of how the hands of an archaeologist, dead people were uncovered, and I thought, what's under Chad? Has Christ been buried in my life? Under the vision of the world, under the vision of progressives, has Christ been buried? Has my gifts been buried? Is the one Jesus Christ that's on the inside of you, has he been buried in your tent, which is your body and your life? Because if so, listen, today the Spirit of God wants to uncover Christ in you. He wants your hands to be surrendered today. I believe you're here. Stand to your feet and say, here I am, God. Go ahead, stand to your Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.